Hello, everyone. You've tuned in to another episode of The Wellness Couch. Welcome back. Our first program for the year of the Water Tiger, actually, which is uh, significant, courageous, competitive, and always ready for a challenge, resilience, and strength, even in times of struggle. And who better to have on the show who embodies those characteristics in the world's greatest Ironman, holding an unsurpassed all-time record of six-time Australian champ and four-time world Ironman champion. Hello, Trevor Hendy. How are you going? Good day, Kat. How are you? Good. There you go, Trevor. It's Brett here. How are you going? Good, thanks, Brett. It's great to hear. How's uh, I hear Queensland's pretty warm today. Uh, raining, raining, it's raining. Rain. It's a big monsoon around. It's going to rain for the next five days. A big new swell coming up. Actually, four four weeks, four days in a row of the Nutrigrain um, Iron Man and Iron Women series. It's um, it's a, a live round every day, four days in a row. So we raced at Carrawa today, or not we, but my son. Yep. And um, and then big swell coming tomorrow and rainy and all sorts of stuff, but still very warm this time of year up here. That's lovely to hear. Okay, so Trev, you've been inducted into the Australian Sporting Hall of Fame and honoured as a member of the Order of Australia for your services to the community, known as one of our fittest athletes and greatest ocean Ironmen. So, I mean, I've watched you. I've always been in disbelief watching you compete in the Ironman, the Uncle Toby series, but um, you're so much more than that. You're an international keynote speaker, director of Life Changer Foundation for Youth and author of the Boot Camp for the Soul. And it's re- regarded as or renowned as uh, um, the soul coach with substance to many of the world's leading CEOs, community leaders, actors, musos and athletes. So um, anyway, enough of my voice. The audience are here to actually listen to you for the uh-huh. magical hour about your story. So let's go to the beginning. Um, you as a nipper and your introduction to water and the conditions or environment that your dad created for you to, to step up to being who you are. Yeah, travelled around Australia from when I was three to five um, with the family, resettling somewhere from the, from Melbourne and uh, trying to work out where I was going to be. And we settled on the Gold Coast. And uh, I, you know, now understand why that is. There was a strong spiritual pull to this area. And then I joined the surf club and became a nipper and learned how to do all that, but was, you know, scared, fearful, worried, crying a lot. My dad always just supported me to be... Um, better and improve and just you know uh, basically not to worry about the competition but just to give everything a go mm-hmm. and over a period of time i ended up in the you know ironman circuit and and the series you know, and that was the thing that i felt um made me feel i felt at home when i was out in the water but also the winner seemed to get the girl seemed to get the laugh seemed to get <laughs> you know call the shots and everything else and so in my 15 year old mind i decided i wanted to be the winner because i wanted not didn't want to be the loser anymore and um with a bit of bullying going on in the background and i decided if i win everything then that'll fix it and um so then i went down a path of, of racing for years oh, i'm trying to fill that hole and that void and feel that insecurity but at the same time that i had that little dark element of racing to to feel that and to make that feeling go away um if i could win i'll feel better at the same time I was also very free out on the water, very connected to the ocean. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of spirit and there was a lot of shadow as well. So I, you know, won a lot of races and became world champion, travelled the world and had a 10-year amazing run and um, ended up um, ended up playing myself on Baywatch and <laughs> hung out with Michael Jackson and Madonna and played on stage with the Beach Boys. We toured with the Beach Boys and we just nice. had incredible experiences. So we really got to experience the highs and the notoriety and everything else and the fame and the victories and the winning and the sponsors and all that. And at the end of all that, I was still felt that, that hollow feeling. It was like yeah. when the sugar died yeah. down, which yeah. the sugar only lasts a little while, the wins or the, you know, the, the recognition or acknowledgement or whatever it was. Yeah. Always back to, God, you know, like I, I needed the next high and the next six. And, and, um, and so, yeah, that, that was just a cycle that, that, um, insatiable need to feel loved and acknowledged and wanted and desired and and because if i felt those things that would mean i was wantable and desirable and, and therefore i was good enough so i was either i felt deep down that i wasn't good enough which is the back cover in my life and the front cover was i am good enough so they were both they were both an illusion <laughs> and somewhere mm, in the middle was yeah. was me the spirit on a journey yeah. you know to to learn this 
Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so, Trevor, I'm a Sunshine Coast by, by birth and, and grew up there, so I do have a couple of questions for you. What was the toughest yeah. club from the Sunshine Coast that you had to compete against? Um, oh, look, back in my day, it was Maroochydore. Was it? Um, early on, it was Alexander Headland, then it was Maroochydore, and later on, it was Malula Bar. And, and then that, yeah. that sort of crashed, and now it's back to Alexander Headlands again. Back so. to Alex, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. They were good. They were good. They always had good competitors. Clint Robinson came from Maroochydore, and... And he was an absolute beast. Yeah, so like I went to school with Michael King, so he would have been probably your era as well. But he's a year younger mm. than me. And his brother was a year older at, at school, but I'm not too sure mm. which club he went to. But he, I know he's one of those. He was at Kawana. He ended up at Malulabai. Coached at Malulabai for many years. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, love King. He's just him today, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's going back a fair while. Yep, yep, that's blast from the past. Yeah, it is, isn't it? So uh, the other question I have is probably completely irrelevant to anything we're going to be talking about. Um, you talked about um, starring on Baywatch, but were you old enough at the time of Cool and Gatter Gold? Because I was thinking that I thought maybe maybe not quite, but but that was yeah. that was a big Iron Man movie that came out in the mid eighties, wasn't? It? But I'm thinking that you yeah, may yeah, not have been quite old enough for the for the cast. I was fifteen when it first raced. And yeah, when they cast cool. them, this the movie. So I was just too young to be, get one of the roles in the shorts, you know, as as an extra. Yeah, I and that um, the and then I was sixteen the second year at race, and um, I idolised Dwayne Ties, and so I I handled for him and supported him in the race, and and um, and really enjoyed that experience. But that was just before, like I was just a kid. I was just sixteen, and then by the time I was eighteen, I was a Australian champion, open champion. Oh, so wow. it's a big couple of years after that, from eighty four to eighty seven, sort of thing. It's all the golden era of of Ironman surfing through that sort of like eighties and nineties period. An Australian like sport. It's just general, amazing. There's yeah. like lifesavers were on yeah. pretty much everything. It's fantastic. But you know, you've really set precedent too. You really raised the bar high. In fact, um, you've got unsurpassed um, all time record, like six time Australian champ and four time world man. Iron champion. It looks like no one's going to come close to you either. So the bar's oh, no, been I've really been, set I've high. Been passed, I've been passed since then. So Shannon Eckstein, he won eight Australian Ironman championships Ooh, and then okay. and six world champions. And I, I coached awesome. Shannon and worked pretty closely with him for a while. And um, and then I worked with Ali Day more recently, and he's now the current world champion, cool and get a gold champion, Nutrigrain Series champion, and Australian champion. Okay. Only the second person to win all four of those titles because oh. they're some of them are long course and some of them are short course. And yeah. Ali won the last two races um, two seasons ago. Then he broke both wrists and had a season out. He came back last year and he won. He's the only person ever to win six out of six races last year. Wow! And there's been three rounds this year, and he's won the first three. So he's basically won the last eleven Nutrigrain races that he's competed in. Wow! So that's that, incredible. That's isn't a, it? that's an insane record. Shannon and I never never got close to that. So he's. He's, he's next level right now, um, and the amount of major titles, he's won seven cooling out of gold, um, a world and Australian title, and three or four series, so he's like about 12 or 13 major titles, and, and um, he's in the, the peak of his experience right now, and, and I'm lucky enough to work with him and have him at our club. Oh, him. Yeah. And I don't think people really quite grasp the significance of that, because I know back... Now, you're going back a few years, if if you ran a marathon, people would say, look, you don't want to run another marathon for the year. But some of those events are like Ironman distance events and they're backing up, like you said, like 11 in the last two years or whatever. It was 12 in the last two years. That's a lot of racing and a lot of recovery that the body has to go through, but also train for it as well. Like That's that's major significance, isn't it? He won the kill and got a gold in um, November by 10 minutes, 8 minutes, wow. something. And then that's a four-hour race. And then he backed up to win the first round of the Nutrigrain series about four weeks later, which is a 15-minute race. So, um, you know, that it's, it's really freakish to be able to go at that level at those different paces and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he won today, and it was um, amazing again. It was on Channel 9 today. Fantastic. What's your mindset have to be like to, to endure, you know, the gruelling <laughs> and be resilient through mm. that training and through the... Yeah, you've got to have a lot of love for the ocean because you you've got to love your playing field. So, you know, you have to really love tennis to grind out five sets and you have to really love golf to walk for five, you know, eight hours or five hours, whatever it is. And I just loved the ocean and all the different elements of swim, board, ski, run and the transitions and, you know, the waves and the choosing and all that sort of stuff. So I loved that feeling. Um, 
So because the passion was there, the mindset was more one of embracing the pain and the hurt and being in the moment. And you, you always feel nervous and you feel horrible. And before yeah. you race, when, particularly when you're younger, you go, oh, no, when I, this race is finished, I'm, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I hate this. After every single I race. Hate that, I'm, <laughs> I'm out. And then you finish and you're telling stories with your mates and you go, that was so fun. And so you always retire before the race and you always like make all your big plans after the race about how you're going to go on forever. Um, and But it's so much pain, you know. Um, the Ironmen are amongst the fittest people in the world because, the, you know, the cross-country skiers are highly regarded as the fittest people in the world because they use the legs and the arms in endurance events at high altitude. Yep. And the Ironmen and women have a similar level of VO2 max fitness um, because they're just using every element of their body the whole time. It's not just legs. and It's legs, arms, body, you know, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah, and what I find really difficult in the surf, like it's one thing to swim in the pool when you know the water's at the same level, but what I find difficult is when you take a breath in the ocean, sometimes the wave just smacks you and you take a mouthful of water. <laughs> and, and you, you get know, the diving wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get diving wrong, you come up in the hole. You know, there's, there was that thing I heard about boxing the other day, Mike Tyson said about boxing. Everybody has a everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yep. Um, and then it all changes. It all goes out yep. the window, and it's the same. Is you're oh yeah, I'm going to do this, this, and you take a mouthful of water, and then it's like, yep. you know, like <laughs> yep. So after a while, you learn how to not do that. I haven't learned that yet. <laughs> yeah, you got to come up. You got to come up with your head facing backwards so that even if the white water hits you, you can still get a quick breath in. Yeah, yeah fantastic. So um, it's interesting to see your development of connection to nature too, and and what you call finding your way to home to country. Did you develop that as a as a youngster? We when we travelled around Australia for a couple of years, my my dad used to pull over on the side of the road, and mum would be cooking up some seriously some rabbit or chicken or fish or something. And in the caravan, we'd be camped in the middle of Northern Territory or North Queensland or something. And he would take my sister and I walking off through the bush for 45 minutes. And he'd keep turning us around, change directions. And all of a sudden, he'd say, mm-hmm. okay, um, show me which way's home, you know, and where's the caravan. And yeah. we'd have to work out at three and four years of age <laughs> how, to get back to the, how to get back to the caravan and have to lead the way. And I, I learned that. So I learned that three or four years of age, how to actually get wow, back after 40 four. minutes of going around circles and stuff. And, <laughs> and so I, I often say to people that that's a really, really powerful life lesson. Because my father taught me that home is where the heart is and um, you can always find your way home if you keep if you pay oh, attention to what you're doing. Yeah. So a lot of people vague out and they turn around, they go here, they go there, but they don't remember which direction was what. But I can I can stay in the middle of Australia and tell you which way the ocean that's is. That's fantastic. Um, I can feel the ocean. It's like in my veins. And so I'll often, I'll often be driving. As long as I have the ocean for a reference point, even if I'm way west Queensland, oh, it's over there, there's east, there's the sun coming over. And I'll always find my way home. And, and I find that a powerful spiritual thing as well because years later, I really did get off track. I got off track in my ego and, and shadow side and incongruence and, yeah. you know, yeah. um, out of ethics with myself. And, and I, I just had to find my way home, you know, and it's really funny because I, I knew how to find my way home. It's just like, oh, there's home. Home's where the heart is. It's not where the house is, it's where the heart is. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I could always find my way home. And at the same time, while I was doing that at a very young age, I was walking on country. I was actually, you know, we were going to settlements and we were going to, you know, make, I was playing with Aboriginal kids all the time mm. and um, grew up in that environment. And I basically felt like one of them. I've been back to the Northern Territory and Arnhem Land and North Queensland many times and I walk up and our beautiful originals um, will always say to me, oh, you're one of us. Mm. And they'll, they'll feel me straight away. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I climbed Uluru twice when I was very young, um, back when that was the thing that you did. I actually, I took my son up there two years ago before it closed um, and checked in with the, the local elder and he said, oh. yep, no problems, you, you're allowed up there. That's and beautiful. I had this amazing, amazing experience of taking my son there like my dad took me. And um, so I've always been connected to the country and I remember um, stepping out of my father's, my father's full drive in Northern Territory in a place called, um, uh, where was it? Um, oh, I forget them, Stuart Point, I think it was. And I stepped out and I reckon I was about nine or ten and I remember stepping out and feeling at one with everything. Oh, gorgeous. I totally felt connected to everything. And so I've always had a strong connection to country, and I've always had a strong connection to, to the mother, to the mother earth, yeah. to 
mother nature to the mother and the water. Um, and beautiful. so I've had experiences. I've, I've been on the back of whales and I've had dolphins swimming around <laughs> in circles and I've had crazy experiences my whole life. And I put that down to the fact that, uh, you know, I was listening to something Kelly Slater said the other day when he got a, a wave yesterday with four seconds to go um, in the heat and he needed a, a big score and he got a wave and got a 9.23 at Pipeline wow. and he said, he, he was crying and he said, I don't know, it's, he's 50 next week. And he said, I don't know how many times in my career that's happened and I don't know what to chalk it up to except for the thousands of hours that I've spent in the ocean. And I, I feel like that with the land. You know, I feel very um, part of this land. I feel very much like I've been here for, for eons, you know. Mm. Well, water's very just amazing, isn't it? I mean, it holds memory. If you talk to um, or you read about Emerson Motto, that's just amazing mm. um, with the information he comes out with about water. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, that it's in the cells of our whole body. It's the... It's at a cell. I think it's ninety nine percent if you go into intracellular level, but seventy percent of our mm. body makeup. Mm. But um, and so you know when we hold on to anger, frustration, love, you know, vengeance, connections, joy, peace, whatever we're holding on to, the vibration is literally that water is vibrating at that level, and we're holding that patterning. And we can predict it. And what's it. fascinating yeah. is salt water is even more so. Mm. So you know when you you're pregnant, and you want to get a scan. You go along and. And what do they do? They put a salt or salt gel on your belly, and that's yeah. how they resonate the frequency to actually read the heartbeat and to see, get the images and everything else. And they say that there's three beautiful ways to shift energy that all involve salt water. One is to do a good workout and have a sweat. The other one is to go for a swim in the ocean, and the other one is to have a good cry oh. and the, and have those salt water tears come out. Yeah. And mm. so, salt water is a real resonator of frequency. And it's such a, um, because it's salt, it's normally in the ocean, and it moves so well. It's, it's so buoyant and moving around, yeah. connected to all the ocean currents and flows, and it's really a living force. It's, I, yeah. I, the amount of times I've stood in the ocean and felt caressed mm. and felt loved and felt mm. like I was having a relationship with a living being mm. in the ocean, mm. and I swam under waves, and I could feel myself surrounded by love. You know, and so I've I've had that experience for a long time, and that's really what I put down a lot of my success to is that wasn't how hard I went or how good I was or whatever. A lot of it was to do with how connected I was to that mother. And that gorgeous. You know that mother energy, and and um, you know my uh, Jackie and I had um, Christelle when we we're nineteen. Christelle, so, we've got the same daughter. Yeah, name, right. Same daughter's name, Christelle. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it's been a. A long journey of the ocean. The ocean's been a consistent and a constant the whole way through. And then, of course, I've always said that when you go for a swim, it's like having a spiritual bath and that the ocean is emotion. And when you learn to take your feet off and trust and go out with the rip and flow, you're letting go of the security of the land and you're learning to go with something, a force much bigger than yourself. You do that in and your soul coaching course, don't you? You take people out there. I've done that a lot, Sandbanks, yeah. I take people yeah. that are having it that they're really scared of it and I just walk up and we hop in the rip together and I show them a landmark and then I talk to them and they say and they say to me, Oh, I can't go out in the rip though, um, because it's really dangerous and blah 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 and then I just talk to them, Oh, what do you mean? And I ask them a few questions. Oh, I just go into that wave and go into that wave and then they go, Yeah, I don't want to go out and I go, It's too late, you're already out the back <laughs> You know, and they go, What? And they notice how far out they've gone, how far across they've gone, and then we just do a big circle and get washed back in again. They go, You didn't even swim then and you went all the way out and all the way back. So I I do love that element of the surprise in someone's face when they realise something they were taught to fear for so long is not actually out to kill them. And it, it changes everything. I've had ladies just crying on the beach mm. going there's so many things I've feared that now I'm thinking I shouldn't have feared. Relationships and, mm. you know, um, trying new sports and, and and you know, whatever it is, they all of a sudden, everything that they fear, they go, what, what am I fearing that for? And if I, what else is rubbish? What else is not true? You yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. a really beautiful way to experience something that is, this is real, and then go, oh, my God, if that's not real, what else is not real? Yeah, I think there's another element to that too, isn't it? You're talking about the love of the ocean, the love of the land, the connection to country, but there's that element of respect too because I, I believe with the, with both the land, especially Australian country and the ocean, if you don't respect it and have that respect and you lose that connection, it, it will mm -hmm. come and smack you. 
um, oh, yeah. quite quite hard. Yeah. And it's just a reminder that um, if you lose your way and decide to bring the ego in and mm. think that you can have something over nature, it, it'll it'll bite. <laughs> bite you in the ass. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I was surfing one time in massive waves up in <laughs> the northern end of the Gold Coast with some friends out out in a boat, and um, they were, we called toe surfing, where you tow someone in yeah. behind a jet ski or, or a duck. And I got towed into this really big wave, and I was carving the wave up, and I was really, really confident. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I felt really confident. And then I just switched from confident to cocky. And as I went, <laughs> past, my, yeah, as I went past my friends, I just went, watch this kind of thing. And I was like, go on this big turn right at the top. And I grabbed a rail, and I went over the falls on like a 20-foot wave. Oh. And the thing just plunged me 25, 30 feet down. And just held me down, and it was violently ripping me apart. And I was, and then all of a sudden, I went, "Ah, oh, you just got cocky." And soon as I realised that the that the wave was responding to my energy, soon as I realised, it let me go and pushed me up to the surface. Wow! You know, and it was like literally instant. It was instant, and it was a classic example of as soon as you think you've got control over it, yeah. you'll be smacked into place. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I subscribe to being biophilic. You know, the lessons that nature can teach us versus, um, you know, through observation and engagement. It's just absolutely amazing. And obviously you've had many of them, Trevor, many um, experiences um, navigating your path in the water particularly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been lucky because I've got to race in all those oceans and places around the world and I've got to have amazing friendships with people that love to explore big waves with me and explore you know, I've swam through caves and underwater things and gone cray fishing and spear fishing and fishing and swimming and paddling. We've had from Nullumbi across to Darwin. We've paddled all the way, and that was, uh, I think it was 55,000 crocs in that region. Wow. And we paddled the whole way. We were sleeping on a barge of a night time, <laughs> and crocs were trying to get up on the barge. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, we paddled the whole way from um, Carnarvon in the south of Western Australia. Um, mid south to well, you know, mid mid sort of east, but um, mid midwest, but um, all the way up to Exmouth at the top. So that was um, four hundred forty kilometres or six hundred kilometres yeah. or something like that. We did that as well. Um, you know, paddled giant chunks of the east coast and downwinders, and now I've learnt to foil surf recently. And we go sit oh, way that's out. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, I've I've been able to explore the world via the ocean, you know, and I, I love teaching people to say, you know, like, if you can get confident in the ocean, you can go anywhere in the world. You could be in Hawaii and you could say, I'm going to swim out there. I'm going to swim over there. I'm going to go out there, you know, and there's so much more to explore when you don't have to stay on the shore, you know. Yeah. Talking about crocodiles, is that how you learned to swim very fast? <laughs> <laughs> I learned to swim in the Daly River. Um, and the Daly River is in, for people that know, it's in the middle of the Northern Territory on the on the um, west side of, of the Stewart Highway. And um, we used to go run up and down these sand dunes for a couple of hours, diving in the water, and then we'd all drift back down the middle of the river back to camp, about 500 metres. And... Um, one day I remember that when we finished there and we were drifting back down and I swam into the middle of the pack. I didn't want to be at the back. <laughs> and and we got out. And this is when crocodiles were hunted. So we got out. And a week after we left there, there was a 15-foot crocodile sitting on top of that sand dune oh, that we ran up and down. So I've always said that I had this, my swimming um, near the middle of the front of the pack came from what I learned, <laughs> you know, from the instincts <laughs> in the Daly River that I'm not swimming back there. That's not only do you not win the race, you might get taken. So, yep. and um, the amazing place to learn to swim. Threat's very real. Yeah, 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 very real, and um, such an honour. Another beautiful place and a beautiful part of the world. And I'm hoping to get back up there as the borders open back up in April or May, and I'll take Joe there and visit these places that I grew up. You know, oh, so yeah, that's special. Hopefully, yeah, that would be great. And so you've got into your soul coaching now as well. Yeah. And uh, soul camps as well. You've got yep, soul camps yep. as well. And um, I love when you talk about uh, transformation as well, um, you know, transforming people. And you talk about imaginal cells too, so special cells that are present in lava that are growing and transforming rapidly. Um, and so yep. most people would know that as a chrysalis, wouldn't, wouldn't they, where the uh, caterpillar yep. metamorphs into an incredible creature. So can yep. you talk to us um uh, about that? Yeah, for sure. Look, you know, 
the chrysalis, the, the cocoon, is like lockdown. You know, it's going into lockdown, it's going into isolation. And when you're in there, the forces that are at play in there, caterpillar crawls in, surrounds <laughs> itself with this thing, and then there's an enzyme that starts actually attacking the caterpillar and breaking down every cell of the caterpillar. And this caterpillar becomes a pocket full of goop. Um, but the same thing, that the same process that's attacking the caterpillar is also attacking these other cells called the imaginal. Mm. And um, those imaginal cells, felt imaginal, those imaginal cells, they actually, um, they're getting attacked by the same force, but for some reason they're resilient to it. They don't get broken down. And when it's all, when the process is finished, the imaginal cells come together and they find each other and they hold the blueprint for the butterfly. Isn't that beautiful? And so then this new creature gets built out of this goop and everything else with a blueprint of a completely different creature. So, well, you've got a lamb-bound, yeah. stick-bound, branch-bound creature <laughs> has now turned into this thing that just breaks out of the, the cocoon, the chrysalis, and then flies off. And I just think it's a really wonderful example, particularly now in, in our current scenario, is that yeah. obviously there's a lot of people around the world that go, yes, yes, we're in great danger and great fear, and, and they're getting attacked by this idea that we've all got to go into lockdown. And then there's certain people, and, and tr- I guess you could call them light workers or tribe members, or some people, they just don't, it doesn't pass the sniff test, you know, <laughs> and they just go, this ain't right. Yep. And then they go, what do you think? And they find each other. Yep. And so while we're all in lockdown, we're all getting attacked by the same force. Yeah. But some people are like resilient to it. And these are the imaginals, the, yeah, you know, the imaginals. These yeah. people, they hold the blueprint yeah. for the butterfly in society. Yeah. And while we're getting broken down and convinced that we're all in deep danger and this little invisible vibe's <laughs> going to kill everybody and unless you do this and these imaginals are going oh, I call bullshit you know like I, I don't know I think you're trying to control it so I think there's another agenda here and that's such a powerful thing because it relates to, to global yeah. planetary transformation uh-huh. but it also relates to personal transformation and that is we already have our own answers um, they're deep down inside of us it's part of our soul. It's mm-hmm. part of our blueprint inside. And certain things activate us or wake us up. But when I do sessions with people and I work with people, I sit opposite them and all I'm actually there to do is reflect something back. Uh, at the end of it, they go, oh, I knew this. And they go, yep. And they go, <laughs> oh, my God, I just realized, you know, I've always known that. And they go, yep. And it's like, so how did I know that but not realize, you know, it's like that you just need people to come together sometimes and create yeah. something. At least one person needs to hold a space yeah. or create a space. Mm. And then it's a really powerful um, realization process of, is that who I am? Is that? And I'm not that. And I am that. I'm not that. I am that. And it's, a, it's just such a beautiful thing to, to watch and be a part of. So, so real transformation is not actually coaching or teaching or doing anything other than being present with somebody while they have their own realizations, you know. Um, so it's a, it's a beautiful process, and it's one that individually right now, um, with, with the so planet the way it is yeah. and what's going on, so many people are going through heartache and self, self-inspection self and who are my friends, who aren't my friends? Why, if I've got that viewpoint, why are you yelling at me? You know, like, why do, I, why do you hate me all of a sudden because I chose yeah, this or I didn't yeah. choose this? Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a personal aspect of where do I go from here, but there's the collective aspect of, the planet's literally going through right now an incredible great awakening. There is no escaping this now. Mm-hmm. We are in the funnel. We are in in the funnel, and we're either going to you're either going to come through it and come alive and realize how connected you are to nature and to um, the analog aspect of life, or you're going to come through it and think you're part of the metaverse. And you're going to present your, your green tick everywhere on your mobile phone, and you're going to try and get access to this and that. And you're literally going to, you're either going to be believing that, that this digital world is the world that we live in, or you, you know, the picture of the tree is the tree, or you're actually going to be going over there and wrapping your arms around the tree. And so I really see at the moment this, this fork in the road, this catharsis around mm-hmm. who are you going to become at the end of this transformation? Yeah. You know, are you an imaginal? Do you hold a blueprint for the butterfly? Yeah. I think it presents an exciting proposition too. Like when we see systems that are breaking down, you can either choose to collapse, like you said, with it Mm. or die or rise to the challenge and create something better, new systems, you know, new paradigms um, that can propel us to the next stage of evolution, just like the caterpillar of the imaginal cell. Mm. 
The potential is mind-blowing, and it's one of the reasons, um, yeah, that's why I love nature. Once again, you know, the observation and, and what it can teach you and that engagement with nature and country. Nature's harmony. Yeah. Nature's just going, I've got you, I've got you, you know. It, it doesn't take more than it needs. You know, the, the bear doesn't go and get 10 salmon and stockpile them in the corner in the freezer. He just goes and gets the salmon that he needs in that moment, you know. And, and and nature's like that. Nature's not. There's mm-hmm. no power, grid no. and control in nature. No. It's it's an alignment. It's a it's a synchronicity. It's a um, you know, as a as a just a beautiful working with and working together. And that's who we are. That's our deep self. You know, and we're slowly but surely got in this digital world. You know, and <laughs> it's a crazy world. We're literally, you know, there are people right now so excited about the on oncoming metaverse. It's like. Are you going to actually go into a place where you can have your avatar and you can put anything you want on it and so you can look fantastic? Yeah. And, and when people, and then you walk outside and you go, oh, I've actually got to deal with real problems right now. Yeah. No resilience. There'll be, you know, people, kids will not grow up knowing how to actually deal with problems and deal mm-hmm. with issues because they'll just, they'll buy them away. I'll just pay for a different life or I'll pay for a different reality or I'll walk into a different room in the metaverse. So disconnected. Um, it, it's a really interesting time, point in time in, in, in human history. Yeah, it's a bit, it can be a bit scary but also a bit exciting all at the same time. And I think you, know, you, you touched on that part there about people that have a sense of who they are and there's a lot of identity and understanding your own belief system in that. I guess my experience has been so far that that those that do have a sense of themselves, whether you know whatever their choices were, they're not so one so much in that divisive camp. I think there's there's a lot of people. Yeah. Who it's it's a very divisive um, issue, and those that don't have a sense happy, of yeah. yeah don't have a sense of who they are and what's important to them as people come out and instead of acceptance, there's a lot of judgment. And um, uh, it's so accurate, it. you know, and also the fact that when we are very still and present and do have a sense of self we also have a sense of higher self and yeah oh what else is the world about and who am i connected to and what's going on and when you've got that connection you know one of the great things around this whole whole point in time is is a, a thing that's been happening called mass formation yeah <laughs> and the conditions you need for that mass formation are you need people to feel unsafe okay mm-hmm. this thing's going to get you you can't see it but it's after you it's got the two it'll get the person next to you then it'll get you um, you need a, a, a feeling of um, disconnection, of separation. So, all right, social, socially isolated, metre and a half. Um, put these things on your face so you can't see each other. You can't see each other's smile. Yeah. You know, you can't go to work. So then, there's a, then they take away your your meaning and your existence, your purpose and meaning. So I can't go to work. I can't, tick, tick, you know, tick, get yep. the money for the mortgage and the kids and blah, blah, blah. Then they make you feel unstable. So that's the four places. Oh, it's changing. We're in three day. Now it's five day. Now it's seven day. So there's this there's this real element of instability. So now I've lost my safety. I've lost my connection. I've lost my purpose and meaning, and I've got no stability. And then you have this thing called free floating anxiety, mm-hmm. where literally you're so anxious and you can't attach it to anything. You know, it's just attaching to this thing that's moving around. And then someone says, "We've got a way out. We've got this solution for you. It's a medicine. You take it, and everything's better when you take it." And you go, "Please." Give it to me. We'll go back to normal. It'll be back to, it'll be back. It'll be, and, and we, we can't actually go backwards. You know, we're going forwards now, no matter what, you know. So it's a, it's a fascinating time um, for people to feel that, that they feel unstable and disconnected and there's no source connection there. And then that's when we'll reach for whatever we're offered. And whatever solution that will, that'll take away this free-floating anxiety, so I can attach it to something, we'll take that. So it's been... A fascinating experience to watch and observe and try and love people just no matter what. Say, oh, whatever you choose, it's totally up to you. It's totally okay. It'd just be nice if you're choosing for yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, so I- interesting time once again in the, in the choices and the, and the possibilities that present themselves. What do you think the antidote is? Oh, it, look, the, the problem is disconnection. The problem yeah. is the idea of scarcity and um, that we're all separate from each other and that we are small and these problems are big, that's the actual issue. So the antidote is the opposite to that, is the mm-hmm. realisation that we are not small, our spirit is actually quite big, yeah. and that there's people around us who we love to connect with who are part of our tribe, who are similar to us, who feel the same, and who we want to create tribe and 
and community with and everything else. And so this idea of these these big centralised, monopolised power forces around the world are taking further away from local communities. And I think the antidote is that we start trading again and going to the markets. Yeah. I'll give you some eggs and grab some fish off you and, you know, and people start to actually see that, oh, whatever I need, I've already got or you've got and we just work with each other. Yeah. And we don't need this middleman called government or, or um, Amazon or Google or whatever else is, is out there. And so it's, it's actually going to, I think it's going to bring back um, something we've missed for a long time and that is just connection. Yeah. You know, connection with each other and the recognition of, oh, I see you. I like you. Can we do it? Oh, wow, you're such a beautiful person. I was, I was watching a video the other day of these guys that were traveling up through the Give River Road in um, in uh, um, the Kimberley Ranges, Kimberleys. And this guy said, oh, he's in the, up in Give River Road where everyone's traveling in caravans and everything. He said, the last week, we've met so many beautiful, amazing people. Mm-hmm. Everybody's beautiful. You know, and the reason that everybody's actually beautiful when they get out of the friggin' city. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's beautiful when they're driving down a country yeah, road totally and they've great. got time to see each other yeah. and go, I see you. Yeah. Oh, you can, do you need help? And it's, Thank you. No, I'm okay, but thank you so much for stopping. Oh, it's beautiful. I'll give you a hug and I'll keep moving. You know, that's our true nature. So we've yeah. gone away from our nature and we've become this competitive, comparative, you know, um, world instead of yeah. this yeah. creative world. Yeah, yeah. There's all there's so many opposing forces, you know, and we're all the same. We should be united because we all care. We all want to do oh. the right thing, and we all want to be Absolutely. healthy. But um, you know that um, protocol they're doing, like we're unhealthy until proven healthy, it really gets under my skin at the moment. It really yeah, does. Yeah, that would be real frustrating. Um, but I think one of the things yeah. we are fighting against, though, Trevor, is that like our age is the last generation that knew what life was like without the internet. The, uh, sorry? The, our generation is the last generation that knew what life was like without the internet. Um, oh, yeah, so absolutely, we got this, when you climbed a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you <laughs> fell out and your parents That's go, right. well, you won't yeah. do that again, will you? Um, yeah. <laughs> come, come home at dark. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. Um, so we've got these digital natives and, and they are, really, they're addicted to those, those likes and those endorphin hits and it's going to be very yep. difficult for... Um, society, I think, to to make that shift, and it's going to take um, some people just to get out of the city, like you said, and maybe do some, you know, do their van life and go hug a tree yep. and sit beside the ocean and go. Break well, the city there's something apart else. Lots of small bits and spread it out. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's so true. And you know what? The, the funny thing is, though, that is the kids that are being born right now, their souls, their spirits that are yeah. choosing to come in at this time. Yeah. And they're coming in knowing a lot of them are coming <laughs> in. I, I, my my daughter is very much coming in going, don't do the phone thing. Yeah. You know, her and her friends, they'll get on their phone and everything. But she just took my four-wheel drive that I've just spent $15,000 <laughs> doing up. She took it today, jumped on the ferry and did a two-hour trip over the, on the ferry to Morton Island. Fantastic. She, which yeah. doesn't have a road on it. She's now four-wheel driving. She's 18 years old. She's four-wheel driving in my car with her, her friend, her girlfriend, um, for five days on Morton Island. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, you know, good on and, her. and there's no reception where they are. Um, so we'll hear from them in five days, hopefully, if they make it back on the barge. Um, <laughs> but that, you know, that's, I think we lead by example. So I've raised my kids chasing waterfalls, going off on the weekend, yeah. looking for new yep. places to camp. Yeah. Uh, and... So they grow up and they go, the best times I've had in my life is with my mum yeah, and my dad. Yeah, that's fantastic. Do, yeah. Doing these crazy things. And Remember that time we found yeah. this thing? Remember that time that snake <laughs> came right through? And, and so what do they do when they get older? They go, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling great. You know what? Let's all go to the rainforest. And they'll take their friends. They yeah. go rock jumping and, you know, waterfall finding. And um, it, it, it's the best thing we can do is lead by example. Yeah, and they get energised and vitalised, you know, in, in that nature. And they know that it oh. makes them feel good and that's their medicine, you know. My daughter comes home and her eyes are just yeah. bright blue. I go, what yeah. have you been doing? She's like, yeah. oh, I've been out in the rainforest. Yeah, just beautiful. You know, oh, just Connection. in the middle of the week. On, the last week she just went out there. She's got a new car. She yeah. swapped cars with me. She left her <laughs> car for me. <laughs> You've lost and it. You've lost, lost it. Yeah, last week she's home at like six 
o'clock and we go, what are you doing? She went, oh, I just went out the rainforest, the rock field. Oh, that's gorgeous. And how'd you go with? Oh, my own. My heart just, sings when I hear that. 30k, she just yeah. drove out there, walked out and jumped in the rock field, swam, hung out on her own, got back in the Fantastic. car and drove back in yeah. and went, oh, that Love was it. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some beautiful rainforest up the back of the Goldie and the Sunny Coast there. It's fantastic. Yeah, so close. It's so close. The, the best of all lookout up here is as old as the Daintree. Yeah. And it's only, it's, uh, we, we went up there one morning and it was about 25 degrees here on the Gold Coast in the morning. We went up and it was all foggy up there and we went over to the back to the other side and walked down and it was zero. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so incredibly different. Um, it's just amazing. It looks west towards, um, towards, Mount Warning and stuff like that, and it's just yeah. it's incredible. It's amazing rain for us. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Up through there, it's been a bit Absolutely. of time up through Springbrook and stuff like that. Narrow so. strip in between the Pacific Ocean and this beautiful rain for us. Yeah, it's fantastic. We've got it down here too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're we're lucky. We've got that sort of right next to our house. It's, it's fantastic, and the, the cloud sort of comes down of an afternoon and just sort of covers us like in the middle of summer. Um, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, the the cloud just comes down and I'm taking the dingoes for a walk. Covers in the over. Morning. Yeah, look, look, that that is interesting, is because like, we've got two dingoes, and um, we'd be walking them on the beach, and people, and I guess you know, that that whole that fear and that versus <laughs> connection piece, you know, and some people go, oh, what sort of dogs are they? And you know, so we'll go through the story behind dingoes and 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 I guess the plight of that, the, how they're being attacked at the moment, especially around Australia. And other pe- and some people just love that and they connect with it and they just don't realise um, the treatment that they're getting and others will just sort of pick up their babies and, and walk the other way very quickly. <laughs> uh, programming. The programming starts young with the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean about the programming. Oh, the templates are the same. Um, all the programs. <laughs> yeah, we're all being programmed, <laughs> aren't we, on, yeah, on, on different lines, aren't we, really? Yeah. Oh, um, just, my, my mother said the other day... Um, my beautiful mum, I, I said to her, oh, Rafael, Rafael Nadal, once you are, he was incredible. I said, oh, it's a shame Novak Djokovic wasn't there. Oh, no, I missed him. You know, I said, really? <laughs> you really know Djokovic and Fedra. Did the yeah. commentators say no one missed him? Like, yeah. it, you know, they, they didn't miss him. It's like, oh, I reckon some people did. I reckon some people would have liked to see him there, you know, competing yep. and whatever else. But, but uh, we're just, you know, if Koshy said it so or, you know, if Carl said it so or whatever it is, oh, no. we're... That's that's the truth. Yep. That's the reality. It's like turn the bloody TV off. Yeah, agree with you. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I can't remember the last time we watched mainstream news. That's, that's um, and look, and I think that's part of that fear too. You know, and like you said, that that floating anxiety is that people feed on that. And I know through the coaching that I've done over the years, you know, one of the first things we tell people is turn the TV off. Like if you don't want to be fed fear, don't watch the news. Yeah. Yeah. Repetitive affirmations yeah, it's just too. Constantly it's thinking. psychological. It's warfare. psychological warfare. It is. Yeah, it is. That band is running along the bottom, saying record number of deaths, record COVID count, record. Thing, you know, these are big. Uh, these are significant numbers. Oh, did you see that? And people tune in each night to see how many more, and if it's got bigger, yeah. if it's peaked yet. The first three stories are always have been led for twenty four months about COVID. And and yeah. just like really consistent, 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 consistent. It's nothing but program. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. people can't critically think when they go through fear as well, because I mean, they get exposed to the adrenaline, noradrenaline, and it really has a an effect on the cortex, the frontal cortex, and that that Absolutely. just you know, it you can't critically think when you're in that state. You know, so what you do is you look at the externals and see who's guiding you or who's navigating you. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. But you know, all people are trying to make. Um, the choices with the with the I guess the best knowledge that they have yes, at the yeah, moment yeah. they 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 are the yeah so so twisted and bent and, and so one way offended. there's so much yeah. censorship that yet yeah. um so yeah. I don't know if if there's really consent because there's only one yeah. sort of uh, narrative being spinned at the moment but yeah. what does freedom of choice mean to you? Oh look, um, it's really interesting. I don't think you have freedom of choice until you can have or not have something. Mm. So my son's exploring, you know, whether he wants to race again next year. And it's like, can you race next year? Oh, not really. I don't want to. You know, well, then you don't have freedom of choice. You know, can you can you race next year? Yep, yep. Can you not race next year? Oh, not really. You know, can you not race next year? Oh, yes, I can. All right, now you've got freedom of choice. <laughs> so, you know, um, freedom of choice is, is basically when someone can have one thing or the other and they can actually say, 
oh, now I can choose. You know, I don't. There's not only one option for me. And someone was telling me a story about how they they said, oh, you know, we've made this decision. We've checked in with three different organisations, and it's like, no, you didn't. You checked in with three different organisations, but they're all thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah. So you didn't actually get any. You didn't get three different viewpoints. You just got the same viewpoint from three different people, and and now you've made this decision on behalf of all these people, but you actually didn't. You know, you didn't go outside of this one bit of information. Yeah. So freedom of choice is knowing there's another possibility. I could do this all this. Yeah. And I and I have the choice to do that. And and it's a really interesting thing because um, at some point in time we've arrived at this society that said, "Oh, you know, you don't have that choice." You know, because we've decided it's unsafe for you to have that choice, which is all false bullshit anyway. But um, but so it's a really really interesting. Um, place that we're in where um, people at the moment do not have freedom of choice. You know, you not many people that have kind of gone and done our, our recent um, jab program because they really wanted to. You know, they really loved it. Yeah, yeah. Because I have to keep my job. I have yeah. to, you know, I can't afford to not pay the mortgage for the kids. Yeah, and Or so I want to see my family in Europe or I want to see my grandparents in the nursing home before they pass away or there's... there's they, you know, the minority didn't do it. No, no, the majority, you know, didn't want to do it, <laughs> you know. And that, that's freedom of choice is having the choice to do whatever and travel wherever. Two other things I'm very interested in is freedom of communication or freedom of information yeah. and also freedom of movement. So, no, you can't move unless you've got this and you can't say that on this channel. And if you do, so I've, I've been, you know, labelled all sorts of things in the last, Six, six months because I've been pushing for freedom of choice and um, saying that no people need to have their own personal right to make decisions with, with what they do with themselves and and so I've I've copped it for that you know it's like oh this he's he's an anti-vaxxer or whatever it's like what <laughs> no we've got nothing no no I'm not like I'm actually just saying people should choose this this is there's people with all sorts of reasons why they might not want to do that you know so including different information they're exposed to. But people care. Everybody cares. Everybody wants people to be safer. Mm-hmm. That's the common thing among yeah. uh, people. They're trying to do the right thing. They care. They love. They're passionate. And they've been forced to be on two different sides. And it's like, no, I'm on the same side. as you. We're much more alike than we are different. We've we just are. been exposed to different information. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm like you. I'm exactly, I want my family and your family to be really, really happy and healthy. I'm yeah. exactly the same as you. Yeah. I've just been exposed to different info. Yeah. Let's get our info together. Oh, what? You know? Um, well, that's, that's science, to... isn't it? Science um, um, invites discussion. Science never is an studied. ongoing yeah. discussion. Someone yeah. said to me, science is a never-ending equation. Yeah, and we you haven't know, had that always... discussion yet. No, that follow the science. It's like, no, you, there, there is no science that you follow. Follow the science. But you, you actually... Create the science as you go. Science is the discussion. You know, science is the is the art of debate. Science is the art of you have a theory, and now you get all the experts in the room, and they rip shreds off it. They tear it to shreds, and they challenge it left, right, and center. And if it if it handles that robust challenge, then right now it's you know it's um it's like um, scientific. Um, we all agree on it. You know where um, I love that saying, no one in the room is as smart as everyone in the room, mm. but tell me who you invited in the room and who you left outside. <laughs> because if you're making decisions on my behalf, on my family's behalf, but you've left some really smart people out of the room because you yeah. don't like what they've got to say, totally. then you, haven't, you don't have the right to do that. If you're going to have a conversation on my or anyone else's behalf or human's behalf and you've left people out of the room because they, you don't like what they say... Um, then, you know, you, well, there's no one in the room as smart as everyone in the room, but not everyone's in the room. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, well, how's, how about you all get together and have a real conversation and stop avoiding the people that are telling you that it's all bullshit? Totally. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, that that's a lot of what I'm sort of passionate about is that um, it, it's not controlling and contriving all the info and the narrative until people feel like they don't have any choice. Yeah, that's so true. I know we've had like professors of medicine on on the show as well who probably have mm. a, a slightly different view of of, of the of, of the options. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know they've been writing letters to Very their, reputable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. These guys are yeah. you know well known oh, in their field. Yeah. Like, you don't become a professor of medicine you know by accident. Yeah. Um, 
people just don't return their calls. They don't, like you said, they're not invited into the room. Uh, then they're, it's not then the if they actually show their hand, they're out, they're out of the room. They'll never be in another room again. No, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's true. We had um, we had a phone call recently with um, Voices for Choices, um, which is something we put together to just give some voice to some of the alternate narrative to put balance back in the story. And obviously and, um, asking questions too for parents who are concerned. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No parents have questions and we've, We've been just saying, hey, well, you know, just do your research and, and work this out. It's a big decision you're making. You know, just because you've vaccinated your kids before doesn't mean this is an automatic, oh, they said I should, I should. And this is your kid's livelihood, you know. This is a, a new thing. It's never been done before, this, this technology. So we had Robert Malone, which is one of the co-creators of mRNA. Uh-huh. We had um, um, Pierre Corey, who's the yeah. New York Frontline. Um, we had um, uh, oh, Mike Eden, who is Pfizer oh, wow. um, VP. Okay. Did you have McCullough? Um, yeah, we had uh, we couldn't get Pete on that day, but we had um, Zach Bush. We had Bruce Lipton on there. Um, oh, we had favorite, Craig yeah. uh, Craig Martinson. We had Paul Alexander. We had this incredible lineup of people of doctors on this call, and we videoed it. And we got celebrities from around the world. So we had Eric Clapton asking questions. We had Pat Cash asking these doctors questions about is it unsafe to let Novak Djokovic in the country? Pat Cash posted uh, a one-minute version of the doctors answering that question and had 55,000 views by that night, and the next morning it was deleted off Instagram and he had a warning. So this is the controlling of the narrative, and it's like this is dangerous misinformation. It's like, now these are the leading experts in the world. You know, Peter McCulloch, who wasn't on the call but Mm. had had passed some information on to us, he's the most published person in his field in the Mm -hmm. world. And, you know, doesn't have a dog in the fight or a horse in the race or whatever. And they go, no, 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 no. You know, Robert Malone, like, just a fascinating um, controlling of the narrative. So, anyway, that was a, a, a really interesting experience to have Eric Clapton asking, you know, Robert Malone questions about this thing. And wherever we post it, it gets deleted immediately. Immediately. Because there's another viewpoint. It's like, Wow. I don't... That's just the forces yeah. at play. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. It's definitely not uh, free speech, is it? Like, part of it... Like no. Said, it's about open debate, and science should be about open debate. It should, and I can tell you now, if we had a problem with herbal medicine, one person got affected, death, or, or paralysed, or whatever, that would be shut down in no time. Yeah. That herb would be shut down yep. in no time. Uh, so yeah, I don't that, know what's going on with the TGA. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did see that... Um, there was, you know, I, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but I think it was in the UK, 177,000 COVID deaths that they'd published throughout this whole thing. And then when they've looked back at the studies and they've actually reported back um, deaths with COVID, 170-something thousand deaths from COVID, 6,000. You can yeah. manipulate and, stats. I mean, you know, any statistician will yeah. tell you that. Like, I didn't even realise that, um, you know, being unvaccinated, if you took the jab and you weren't um, up to two weeks, you were still called unvaccinated too. So if you had an adverse event, that's right. So something happened in the first two weeks that didn't happen to a vaccinated person. Yeah, so you can can manipulate the stats like you want, you know, to your advantage. Absolutely. And And most people don't know this, yeah. And and um, now um, in Western Australia, you're not fully vaccinated unless you've had three jabs. Wow. And it's the same, you know, in different places around the world and your green tick will disappear and, you know, it's... It's, a, it's just a fascinating um, place that we've ended up and the information has been very much um, distorted to suit um, a narrative and that, that's our one you know, national agenda and everything else. And unfortunately, the studies and everybody, it, it's all it follow the money. It all goes back to mm. big money, <clears throat> big money, $56 billion profit for yeah. Pfizer this year. Yeah. Which is really you know, sad because like, everyone needs a different therapeutic um, strategy. You know, you don't treat um, the same. You know, two people the same. You really don't. There's different requirements for people's bodies. They're different uh, mentally, emotionally, different. and physically. So you need to treat them differently. So some can have immunisations and others can't. You know, and, there, and there's other options as well. But um, you know, we've got to remember too. This is provisional approval, provisional, mm. which is under emergency use only. So it's not fully approved. And this is what people aren't. Um, aware of. It's still in this phase three, four, yeah, yeah, and we're still waiting on long-term data as well. Safety in the data. US, they had um, about, there's a, a beautiful solicitor over there, she had about 12 cases thrown out in a row on human rights. 
And then she changed tact and she took a 13th case on. She was in Ohio. And she actually said, um, uh, prove to me it's an emergency. And they couldn't prove it was an emergency. They had all these stats and figures and everything else, and they couldn't actually prove it was an emergency. And so so based on jurisdiction of judges and get the right judge and the right question, all the mandates have been thrown out and they're winning case after case after case. So one of the interesting stats, and look, I, I don't, no, I can't vouch for this fully, but it's, it's what I've heard. It's one of the things in um, Robert Kennedy's book on the real Anthony Fauci. And one of the interesting stats is that there's a, there's a benchmark or an earmark that um, when you're an, under emergency use authorization, um, you're indemnified, you know, the, the yeah. tax companies are indemnified yeah. against yeah. Any, any problem. But for them to be indemnified when it comes to normal approval, the benchmark is if it's deemed safe for five to eleven year olds, then you're they're indemnified for adults. Wow. So one of the reasons why there's a big push for it to say it's safe for five to eleven year olds is because that means um, that all of a sudden, okay, if it's safe for five to eleven year olds, now we can move into the next phase where we're approved and no one can you know, no one can actually sue us or, or do anything with it. That's an interesting bit of information. It's just a viewpoint, something I've heard. And it's, it's quite fascinating because it, it points to the fact that there's agendas behind all these different things. And they're not really, you know, just, we just need to, we need to prove it's safe for the 5 to 11-year-olds. Say it's safe. And then that opens it up. And there's also strong, there's some pretty amazing ladies around the world. One, Catherine Austin, Austin Fitz and some other people around the world that are very in on what goes on with the contracts around the world. But reportedly the big... Vax um, companies have contracts with the federal government, the they big do. government. Yeah. And one of the clauses in there is that, that they cannot do anything to jeopardise the maximisation of profits yeah. Yeah. for the global rollout. Yeah. So if you, if you see all the press conferences, what are they saying in the press conference, whatever the Vax company wants them to say? You know, and if they don't, they're in breach of contract. Yeah. So Novak Djokovic had to leave the country because if he didn't, they were in breach. Yeah. That's, this is a, just a viewpoint, you know. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. But this is what some of the information that's coming through. And if, if they didn't get rid of him, too many people would think, "Hang on a second, I don't want to do this. If he can, if he's got natural immunity, I would too. Why, why do I want to do this?" And that actually is in breach because that's an action that you haven't taken, or you have taken to allow him to remain here when he should be gone, and therefore you're in breach of the contract with us. And and remembering that. How many billion dollars worth of vaccines that are being paid to these companies? That's not free. We're paying for it. Mm. Yeah. But what they do is they go, no, we won't pay for it. We'll take it out of the economy. We'll print new money, give it to them, and then ultimately, my my view is that ultimately they'll collapse the economy. Yep. The economy will collapse, and they go, oh yep. wow, look what COVID did to the economy. It's like, no, no, you've just transferred wealth from the middle mm. class. Mm. And from the people of, of you know from our country, you've transferred into the hands of, of the elite and other big big businesses and organisations. And so these, you know, the saying, "What's the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth?" And about six months, mm. you know, and they, these are all crazy conspiracy theories. But months later, you're going, "That's actually what's happening. Yeah. That's what's lining up." You know, well, who would have ever thought that some of these people were right? You know, so it, it's um. We're at a fascinating time, and, and I know we've diverted off into vaccine, but it's so interesting how it relates to truth and freedom and understanding who we really are. And What do you feel inside of yourself is your answer? You know, don't believe anything I say. What's, what's the answer you can feel inside of yourself? Go to your source. You know, don't, don't do all your research, but come back to yourself. It's, it's a fascinating time. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. And it's, it's amazing that the hour has gone through so it's quickly. So, quick. but before we before we do wrap up, Trevor, it'd be um, lovely f- to learn where people can connect with you. So, obviously, you've got an organisation, uh, um, Voices for Choices. Yeah, yeah, Voices for Choices dot Life. Voices number four. Voices number four. Choices dot Life. Been doing some really beautiful work there. Just bringing people around the world and trying to bring different voices to the narrative to make sure there's a balanced narrative. Um, so that's cool. I'm on trevorhendy.com. I was going to say your um, soul Hendy. coaching, yeah. Yeah, and there's a, I've got a, a cool little 
come and join me on, on our little YouTube channel where my wife and my daughter and I, <laughs> I we travel that. around four-wheel yeah. driving. And, We've done a lot of that. Um, I've only got 500 subscribers, but, you know, try and get me to 1,000. Um, yeah, Fraser but, Island, um, Cape York, yeah. yeah, all those places. Yeah, We've Cape been York, there, gorgeous, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just posted the far north Queensland waterfall. Yeah, we're having a bit of a laugh over that, over you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you took your four wheel drives because we've been there too. So yeah, we yeah. did the road uh, trip a few years amazing. ago. It's it's such a beautiful place, eh? Just um, yeah, I love Fraser. Yeah, yeah, Fraser's beautiful, and as I said, Jarley's just gone to Morton yeah. Island, and that's what I'm hopefully going to post by next week. We've got some footage from a trip I did with Jarley and a bunch of friends yeah, where we just got the most incredible waves and oh, free diving and. Yeah. It was magical, so I'm going to, hopefully going to do that next week. But, yeah, um, Seoul Boot Camp as well. It's actually shut down at the moment. I'm just redeveloping it, but um, okay. soulbootcamp.trevorhendy.com. Hendy Trev on Instagram and, and just come and check us out. Fantastic. Fantastic. You, you're just a wealth of knowledge. Fantastic. It's, it's just been amazing speaking to you. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, it's beautiful honour to speak to you both. Thanks very much for sharing, sharing your time and, and sharing your insights, but also sharing your story and part of your life with us all tonight. So it's, it's greatly appreciated. It's been such a magical hour, hasn't it? It has. It's, yeah, gone, it's gone so quick. quick. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. Thank you. Okay. Speak to you soon, Trev. Take care. Okay. Blessings. See you, guys. Take okay, care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. I'll smile on all it takes to fool this down. 